You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Start the engine sometime soon, Erica. <laughs> Don't worry. I did this a hundred times during the war. Woo-hoo! It's like riding a bike. I sense a tension, a feeling that something's in the air. Oh my God. Our job. Puts us up against death. We might not like it, but we do have to face it. Hold on to your saddles. We are explorers. It's easy to forget how awesome that is. That's the mission. It's what we love most. I have this crazy theory. I love a crazy theory. This man. I don't know. Shut up. Do you know the odds of all of us being here at this time? It's improbable. And yet, here we are together. Surprise! Long and prosper, Mr. Boimler. You also live and... Hey there, listeners. We're about to go boldly where no one has gone before. That's right, folks. We are looking at season two of Strange New Worlds. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And before we get started, as you know, we are going to spoil the hell out of the second season. And, you know, we're going to find out why was Kirk on that ship so damn much <laughs> and everything. Go to the heart of it. Oh, yeah. We're diving in with this, folks. <laughs> it's going to be a ton of fun to talk about. And we've got a great crew here to talk about it. Of course, we couldn't do this without our friends from Earth Station Trek. You know, welcome, of course, Keith and Alan. Welcome, everybody. Hey, guys. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's his. Thanks for having us. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Since he's been introduced by Alan already. Hey there, Mr. Mike. How are you? Howdy, howdy. It's okay. I'll loan it to you. I loan it out, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's still waiting for royalty checks from Mini Pearl, so it's okay. Oh, you beat me to the joke. I try to. (laughs) I've been doing this long enough. I kind of know. So it's going to be a ton of fun. And folks, like we said earlier, we're going to spoil the hell out of this one. But we definitely would love to hear from you. If you want to write us, feedback at earthstation1.com is the best way to get in touch with us. And if you get a chance, please like and subscribe. We definitely would love you to, like wherever you listen to this, wherever you're viewing this, please tell us what you guys think about it. We'd love feedback. We always like hearing about it. And if you get a chance... Hit the little subscribe button at the bottom underneath there on any of the media players that you're watching this on or listening to. We definitely would really appreciate it. Okay, Mr. Mike, take us to Warp Factor 3. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, we'll see if we can go a little bit faster than that because we got a lot say, to cover. Only uh, three? Yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, I mean, um, base. What do you mean? I don't want to pull out of here too fast. Well, as the saying goes, you know, go to go boldly when no one has gone before. But I know that you two gentlemen have covered this show um, extensively this season. And I'm kind of curious. I mean, this show did kind of go some places that Star Trek hasn't gone before. Keith, we'll start with you. Where where overall did you sort of land this season? Like, how do you feel about this season, the second season as a whole? I still like the show. I it was funny you say that. Um, I'm going to need some more distance, a couple of months, maybe years. But of the new Star Trek, I'm actually thinking Discovery is my second least favorite after Picard. And Strange New Worlds has risen. Yeah, Strange New Worlds has risen higher than I expected. I really like it. And I think if you ever listen to our show, one of the things I say, the things I like, I like. The things I don't like, like some of the canon changes, I really don't like. But it's a good show. It has really one of the most likable cast of characters I've seen in Trek in a while. And even the characters whose existence I question, like Lon, Noonien, Singh, I love the actress. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. I have two or three episodes that I think are standouts, two or three episodes that I'm like, oh, God, why did they do that? But overall, I give this a solid eight, eight and a half out of ten. Wow, that's wow. Uh, that's that is pretty positive. Well, yeah. it's uh, scary. You, the way you started it, you were like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god! But I listened to your show, so I know where you were coming from. But I was yeah, a little bit. Hey, the other day, I was talking to someone, and I said, "Who listens to our show?" And they, they I was uh, saying that, uh, yeah, um, I think um, whatever we were going to talk about, I can't remember what uh, it was now, but I said whatever we're talking about, I think I'm going to be the grumpy one in this one. I think I'm going to have to be the, the, and he's like, "Oh, what? You're going to give it an eight out of 10? <laughs> it's like yeah i usually i usually grade up pretty pretty well so uh alan what about you what what were your thoughts going in or the overall for the second season oh i loved it um i found that it had a, a great variety of approaches of storytelling of tone uh, and I really enjoy that. And a lot of people have griped about that because if you only have 10 episodes, they all have to count. And I think they all mm. did count, but in very, very different ways. And some people thought that things like uh, the musical took away from the Star Trekness. You know, if you've only got 10 episodes, every one of them has got to be a banger. And And I think they all were. So, I mean, as Keith says, I have a few standouts. I don't have anything that I didn't like. Um, so I don't know what he's talking about. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I think that it built upon the strengths of season one and has given us a lot of new things to talk about and think about. So, you know, I, I think very successful overall. Mike, what about you? What, did, what were your thoughts about season two as a whole? I enjoyed it. I like that they took chances that they've never tried before on Star Trek. They had a, a crossover with an animation episode. Mm. It was <laughs> awesome. And I loved that they were willing to take chances. And I thought you got to learn more about the characters this season, even more so. And the growth and the explanation of some of the different characters you learn more about the doctor than you ever expected to this season <laughs> and you also 
you know, you got the th- the romance between Spock and Chapel. You got, you know, you had Kirk. It was there was just so much, and I loved the. You got to learn more about the bridge crew. You got to learn more about you know some of the new characters, and I love. It's a very very well rounded crew. I think my only thought that you know kind of left me a little bit. I didn't think there was enough Pike this season. I really don't. Mm. I think that's the only thing I thought was missing for it. Other than that, I think it was a very strong season. I wanted to see more episodes. Ten is not enough. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It it seemed to me that ten went by really quickly, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I was very surprised when... Uh, was it after the musical episode? They said like, you know, it was like next week is the finale. And I was like, really? Like, I was like, are we there already? Like, I just, it felt like it went by really quickly to me. And I, and I, looking back on it now, I think it's because didn't find as much substance in this season as I would have liked to. I, I think I'm more within Keith's camp on this one. I like the series overall. I like the cast a lot. Um, I think the characters are interesting, um, mm-hmm. to a point. I, I don't, I do give them credit for taking some big swings, trying some different things this season. And, and I think they work for the most part. Um, uh, we can go, we can talk about, you know, go in the weeds of it, but as far as, you know, um, kind of the the promise that I, I thought was made the first season, which is we're going to explore strange new worlds and, and, and really like bring back an element of discovery to the show. I felt like that was a little lacking uh, this season. And, uh, and, you know, I know we joke about it, but uh, I'm just going to say flat out, I thought there was way too much Kirk, um, way too much <laughs> Kirk and way too much like leaning on, on what's to come rather than than the current crew like i i wish i like i don't really i don't mind continuity error like you know th- breaks in continuity if they want to do that you can always say it's a different universe whatever blah 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 but but i just don't i, I the crew that you have is really good the the characters that you have are really good i want to find out more about them i don't need I don't need Captain Kirk like on the ship, like for half the season. I think he was in like maybe four episodes or so. And that was like too much, you know, uh, to me. And, and especially when they were leading up to, I mean, there's one episode with that ends with Kirk, Spock and Uhura and in, in, in like having a drink or something. And I was like, why are we showing this? This is not relevant to this series. I, there was things like that, but overall, first of all, the show looks amazing. I believe they have that technology that's similar to what um, Lucasfilm is using, the volume, right? And it looks like, I mean, what they do, what they're able to do and the way this show looks, just it, it's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, the the exterior shots, the space battles, the, 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 you know, going to different planets, et cetera, et cetera. The different anomalies that show up, like it, it's, I think it's incredible looking. Uh, so production values wise, I mean, it gets a it top notch for me. Uh, but I do think the writing was not as strong this season. There were some, uh, high points for sure, which I think we'll get into. And there were some, I don't think there was anything that was like what I felt was garbage. <laughs> so I won't say there was like an out and out like low point. 
but there were points there were there were episodes that I felt were much stronger than others so um that's any series truthfully you know we have stronger episodes you had that in the first season true um I think there were more misses for me personally there were more misses than hits this season Let's start off with like the biggest swing because I think that's what like everybody's talking about still to this day and we'll probably talk about for years to come uh, as far as Star Trek goes, Subspace Rhapsody, the penultimate episode of the season, first time mm-hmm. that there's a musical in Star Trek. Uh, Alan, I want to start with you, since, especially since you're like the music guy. How do you think they, they pulled this one off? Like, did you, do you think they pulled it off, pulled it off as well as could, they could have? I just don't like musicals. I I really? don't. I that, don't think that shocks me. I think I don't think every <laughs> see every series needs to have a musical episode, and I was dreading that Star Trek was going to do one. So you know that that's that's my starting point. I think it okay. was well done. I think it was really well done. the The music, the songs in the episode were written by two of the members of Letters for Cleo. Mm-hmm. which uh, is that's very cool. And I would love to get them on our show and interview them about that, but they are, they are union members. So I can't, and at least mm-hmm. now well, I'll be right. able to at some point, but you know, I, I, the Buffy musical was great. I just don't, I just don't, th- you know, and, and there's that whole contingent of fans who are like, oh, there needs to be a Star Trek musical. There, there doesn't. But at least now that we've had one, we don't have to ever say it again. We don't have to ever say, oh, Star Trek needs a musical. Well, it's had one now. And, you know, this is on a little bit of a tangent, but with the one of the villain characters that has been revealed for the upcoming season of Doctor Who, there's a lot of speculation that there's a musical episode coming of Doctor Who. And I'm I'm just going to quit watching the show if that happens. I mean, wow. I'm, not, I'm not really. I mean, no, I was going to say. <laughs> We just had some thunder right when he said that. So how about that? <laughs> you know that that I you know what I did not know that uh, you had that feeling about musicals, and I I I get it. Um, I don't feel the same way, but I I I understand that that yeah. mentality for sure. Well, having said that, it was a very good episode, and I think some of the best character development that they did the entire season happened in that episode. You really got some insights into a number of the characters and i thought it was it was very well done so excellent there you go excellent. mike <laughs> mike what about you because i know you like a good musical oh i love a good musical i really really do was this a good musical it was fun it wasn't very it was a memorable it won't go down in the annals of history going this was my favorite episode of star trek no not at all but it was fun and it was nice to see them you know, take a chance and also swing for the fences. And I think they hit it. I think they did a great, great job in getting to it. Do I think it was, you know, amazing? The music was fun. And, you know, I won't deny that I've listened to on streaming a couple of the songs, but, you know, I don't, you know, but then you also learn which members of the cast can sing and who can't sing also at the same time. But they took a chance. And that, for me, says a lot about a series and a, a cast that feels strong about a show. And, a, you know, a producers and everything, they took a chance. And you know what? So it was the second to last. It was perfect because I knew they knew that they were going to end the season on a cliffhanger anyway. 
So they didn't want to finish up a story for fully going into it. And they built really well throughout the whole season with the Gorn. And, you know, they didn't make it forefront until the final episode. And I thought that was the perfect way to do it. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, the music, sure, it's great. I'm looking forward to seeing when Dragon Con next year is going to do a midnight showing of it where people are going to be acting it out. Kind of like Rocky Horror or Buffy or Dr. Hmm. Horror. Well, okay. That's the thing, though. You talked about the memorability of it. I, I think that the Buffy musical has that. Y- you recall the songs. They stick in your head. And I don't think any of these really do. They were very good songs, and the performances were really good. But I just don't think that you might not ever see Star Trek the musical done at Dragon Con like they do Buffy because I just don't think it has that same impact. Maybe, I might maybe be wrong, not, you know, but I'm yeah. You know. I honestly, from what I see online, I think it may have more of an impact. And I hate to say this, but because it sounds a certain way, I think it'll have an impact for younger people who don't know musicals the way we know certain true. musicals. True, true. Uh, I see, I see people on the line who've never seen The Music Man, for example, or honestly, even The Sound of Music. We're singing in the rain. And so for them, this is probably a lot more revolutionary and incredible than for some of us who know, you know, the classicals. So I think, honestly, it might impress some people more. It might impress us on this well, show. Well, yeah, that is a very good mm-hmm. point. Very much so, mm-hmm. exactly. And, you know, you had to to say that to a younger audience, this is groundbreaking for them. You know, this is cool to see, you know, yeah. see it and everything like that. Because yeah. literally to them, the last big musical in the movies was La La Land or something like that. You know? <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a good you know, point, Mike. And I watch at least one musical no. a week. <laughs> oh, I love musicals. Trust me. I am a person and... on my MP3. I have tons of different musicals on podcasts that mm-hmm. I do. Um, on Tales from Hollywood Land, plug, plug, plug. We are, mm-hmm. you know, our next episode is we're talking about Broadway musicals made into movies, what worked, what didn't work. So, you know, there's so much out there with that, that we, you know, that we could touch, but to younger people, they don't get that. So this is really special to them. Yeah. And if you think about it, the Buffy musical, that's almost, that's 20 years old already. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for making the hair grayer. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's just falling out at this point. I think it gives up. I think it's given up. Yeah, I I I agree with a lot of you. I, in 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 as so much as I I think they pulled it off to to not embarrass themselves. Uh, I think uh, it also helps when you've got a cast of folks that can sing, some more than others. Uh, it's always difficult to tell who can and can't because they can always dub and you know futz around with the audio and, and all that kind of stuff. So you never really know. But I think for the most part, uh, they used it as a character piece. Of course, they moved some character story arcs along a little bit. Um, and if you're not familiar with musicals and, and to sort of follow along in that, you might be a little bit lost. And I think there was some jumps that were made character wise that if you weren't paying attention, all of a sudden you were kind of like, well, we, what happened? Uh, so, uh, there's a couple things there that I thought, plus the, the thing about this episode and, you know, two episodes right before it, this old scientist with the crossover uh, with Lower Decks, um, 
right, uh, I'm going to I'm going to dial back here and it's going to be like, where is he going with this? So forgive me for a minute. But there was a show that I I started watching that I I liked at the beginning, which was called Monk. And it was about a guy who Mm. uh, was a hypochondriac and uh, he solved mysteries. He was really smart. He solved mysteries, but he had no social skills and he was a hypochondriac. And the first season or two, it was pretty good because the mysteries that he would solve would be pretty interesting and they would put him in these weird situations. But they, the character of the show took over so much that the writers, instead of saying, let's make good mysteries, they just kind of went to the table and they said, let's try to think of the worst things that we could like, let's put him in the sewer. Let's put him in here. Let's put him in it. Like, so they kept like putting him in situations that were uncomfortable for him. And the, the writing of the series of the mysteries was just crap. Um, because they did, that's not what everybody tuned in for. Everybody was like, oh, let's laugh and see what, you know, Monk's doing this week. Ha ha, he's in the sewer and that kind of thing. Um, I, I feel like this season that Strange New Worlds kind of did that because with the crossover and the, the, and the, the musical themselves, the explanation as to why they happened was weak. It was not really that <laughs> strong. It was just an excuse to do these gimmicks. And I, I kind of feel like that kind of undercut them a, a lot. Like, I, I don't want to see the show just become like, let's see if we can put Spock in a sewer. You know, like, I don't want to see like that <laughs> kind of thing. Like, um, I, I think uh, Charades was kind of a similar one with me, too, that did that. It's just like they didn't have great scientific science fiction premises to 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 use these gimmicks if you will um to their full like i i think that that weakened them a bit so um but that said i mean it's not easy to come up with one for you know a musical is just a musical right so um and if you're not if you're not down with that then it's just one of those things that you buy or you don't buy Um, and and that's the thing it's it's a huge gimmick it is. And you have to come up with some ridiculous reason for it to happen. And it's so contrived that I just think it stretches credulity no matter what series it is that does it. Now, with Buffy, at least it's like, you know, like a spell. It's demonic magic and it's cast over the whole town and whatever. But, I mean, the more you do these kind of things, the more you have to think, how in the hell right. are we going to get a musical? How are we going to get all these people to sing? And you know, it was interesting that they even acknowledged the fact that they heard the music, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just too gimmicky for me. And that's why I don't like them. No, I I, I get that. Mike, he says something I think is interesting with the dovetailing that real quickly, and which is really very interesting about uh, any show that wants to say something meaningful, especially science fiction show is when you feel that they try to force the topic where instead of feeling kind of organic, um, I like the musical episode because I guess given some of my feelings about new track, which is all positive, it didn't stun me. And as mm. you said, it didn't, it didn't embarrass, they didn't embarrass themselves. One of the biggest problems I sometimes hate with musicals, like whether it's, I don't know, good times going way back or one day at a time or something is when you are supposed to spend your disbelief to believe these people are quote unquote real. When someone like the actress who plays Cecilia Gooding, uh, when they play um, a character and that person sings, 
and they seem noticeably better than everybody else around them, it kind of breaks the illusion that they're real people. You know, it's like when you have, I've seen so many sitcoms where Patti LaBelle shows up and she's supposed to be playing just somebody's normal mother. And then she starts singing and you're immediately taken out of it because she's singing way better than any normal person. Okay, first um, they, of all, that's a very unfair comparison because no person on earth sings this is good. like Miss Patti LaBelle. Well, she this is, is true. <laughs> the absolute greatest. <laughs> she is even awesome. having said that, there are average people who have amazing voices. So Yeah, but I, what, I, what happens I, is sometimes they show so much polish and poise um, that you feel it. But I will say in this case, I didn't feel it here. You know, oh, okay. It's, okay. It, yeah, it's kind of like if you think about like this is this is crazy stuff. Think about like the very first time LL Cool J did a, a, a movie role and he was a little awkward. And then he started singing and then he felt more natural and you can kind of feel the seams. I didn't feel that here. So I was okay with it and I didn't hate it. I absolutely laughed and groaned at the excuse where they found the reality where music is the method of communication. Because as you're saying, like they were forcing it because when they said, why don't you send music into her to communicate? That literally makes no sense. You know, music tones and stuff are no more different than any language or mathematical symbols they would have been singing. But I just laughed and went with it. My actually <laughs> only thing I didn't care for was the in the in-depth examination of character arcs I don't care for. I personally dislike Spock and Chapel. I see Alan shaking his head. And I don't like at all that Leon Leon fell in love with Kirk in like two minutes. So the subject matter bothered me more than the fact that it was a musical. Um, they've never had a musical before, but for people who say they shouldn't even try it, look at the episode um, I Mud. Look at the episode um, Way to Eden and look at the entire last season of Deep Space Nine, which had uh, Vic, Fun Vic on the show. They weren't musicals, but they had music. And there were people who said that Deep Space Nine made the worst mistake ever by bringing on musical music. They Nobody didn't. says that. Oh, a lot of people did. <laughs> okay, but, uh, but, okay, but he's a lounge singer. You can't have, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a lounge singer in your hologram, in your holodeck. So, oh, but um, I listened and, to Irish Stephen Burr just last week, and he said when when they brought him on, he was told by people, this is the stupidest thing you could ever do. It's going to destroy Deep Space Nine. And well, they, but it's not a musical, but it was no, music. Well, sure. But you could say the same thing about Riker and his jazz bands. Oh yeah, and and, and data and his violin and his string orchestras. I mean, you you you're gonna have music. It's it, that's a whole different thing from your character suddenly breaking out in song and spilling out their character development. You know, in four and a half minutes, it's it's just silly. Sorry. Okay. Tell us how you okay. really feel, Alan. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. We love it. We love it. Show, folks. That's right. We love it. Okay. I want to, I'm going to stick a pin in a couple of things you mentioned, Keith, because I definitely want to get to some of those things. But, uh, but before we, before we get into character arcs, because that mm -hmm. was a big thing this season, I think mm -hmm. more than individual episodes, character arcs were like the big thing. Um, and, uh, but before we start talking about that, I want to just talk about, you know, highlights again. Mike, uh, let's start with you on this one. What was your favorite episode of the season? Ooh, Ooh good question, actually. Ooh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. No, I loved the, actually, the second episode. I'm going to go back to episode number yep. two. Um, 
with you know the trial of number one. I loved that story. It it became literally a procedural. It became like you were watching Law and Order. It became mm. it was really really well done, especially for Star Trek. It called in everyone's you know everyone's motives. You know, what's mm. behind, you know, them covering up, you know, they knew that number one was genetically modified. And, you know, when they, when did they find out? And it was just, and what it meant to, you know, and then they called in everything about Khan and, you know, the eugenics war. And it was just really, really well done. It kept me riveted to the, you know, to the edge of my seat. It was from start to finish, that was just a fantastic Star Trek episode. And it didn't need to have spaceship battles. It didn't need to have all this in there. It showed character and it showed how much these characters cared for each other. And also, you know, what it meant, you know, to about, you know, racism or, you know, really, you know, basing, you know, oh, you, this person shouldn't be in here because of their religion or their color, their skin, or their sexual orientation. It tied into so many different things with that. And mm -hmm. it was awesome how they pulled it off and everything. It was smart. And it was just, it was a great, great episode. And there was times in there, I thought they were going to find her guilty. I thought that that explained mm. why you never saw her in, you know, the next, in the, you know, the original series or anything. You know, you just, she was you know, banished or she was stripped of her rank and everything. And she wasn't part of Starfleet, you know, something like that. I thought that was, you know, I thought it was great. And there were a number of episodes I really liked this season. Um, I just thought, you know, there was just so many different things I did like, and hopefully we can get into those also, because okay. I don't think there was an episode I disliked this season. Mm. So, mm. Uh, well, I'm just going to piggyback on that because that's my choice as well. Ad Astra for Aspera <laughs> is, is, is one, my favorite episode of the season as well. Star Trek does cor for a show that's science fiction oriented, you wouldn't think it, but Star Trek does courtroom dramas really well, like really <laughs> well, like almost every season, uh, series has a courtroom episode that is standout great. And this one is, is, is right up there with the best of them. Uh, I wasn't like you, Mike. I didn't think that ever, I never thought she was going to be found guilty or that she wasn't going to come back because I'm like, they're not going to get rid of Rebecca Romaine. They're just not. Um, uh, although they do nothing else with her this season, so they might as well have. Uh, oh, there's a shot. Uh, but, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I thought it was a really, really good, uh, character, uh, arc for her. Um, had the rest of the crew, including, uh, you know, the captain actually did something in this one too, which was nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, and it kind of, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of like one of those things like, uh, well, it's, it's not a really great way to, 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 uh, depict Starfleet in the Federation, but it's like, A, this is the early days and B, we've seen before Starfleet's not beyond reproach. Like there are things that, and there are things that happen you know, in order for us to get to where it is by the original series, certainly by next generation, et cetera, et cetera, certain things have to advance as far as the Federation and Starfleet goes. And this is one of those things, which I, I thought was really, really well done. 
Uh, so yeah, I agree with you, Mike, that I thought this, that was a, uh, my favorite episode of the season as well. Um, Keith, what about you? What was your favorite episode of the season? I, uh, I cannot, I can't differentiate between two. I have an absolute tie and they both cover both poles of Star Trek. As you said, uh, at Astra per Aspera was absolutely great drama. And then on the other pole under Coca War was absolutely great action and drama. And I, those two tie. It's kind of one of those, if I want to watch one for just good drama and incredibly good dialogue, it's the court courtroom episode. And if I want to watch one that has some action as well as good drama, it's the war episode. And I love both of them. Uh, I think, interestingly, one reason I like both of them is, as you were saying, Mike, these are newer characters that we don't know much about. It's not delving into James Kirk again. It's not delving into, you know, the scion of uh, or the, the the descendant of Khan Nunian Singh. It's number one who we don't know much about. And it's um, Dr. Mabinga. And to a certain extent, a new type of nurse chapel in the war episode under Cloak of War. Both of those episodes surprised me because I didn't see them coming. Both of them elicited incredibly good acting. And the courtroom drama at Aster, at Aster per Aspera, one of the things that stunned me is Star Trek used to be known, really, really known for great guest stars. And the actress who played the lawyer was phenomenal. Yes. One of the best guest stars I've seen in years. She came in there and she just worked in that episode. So I think I'm, those two are tied. I kept trying to do one over the other, but they're tied for me. Not just great guest stars, great guest stars playing attorneys in other episodes, in other Star Trek <laughs> <Yeah>. episodes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you look at most of the great, you know, uh, courtroom episodes, like the, yeah. the opposing counsel is usually somebody of note. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really funny. Um, what about you, Alan? What was your favorite episode? Well, the, the courtroom one, as everybody has said, <laughs> because it's, it's Star Trek exploring an issue and it attacks it from all sides and represents every viewpoint. And yes, it's very talky and not action, but if you're doing it in a way that is intelligent and thoughtful and explores concepts, then, you know, I think that that is an absolute winner. And as Keith says, uh, Yatita Badaki was Absolutely mm -hmm. incredible in that episode. And oh, she so much so. walked on the screen and you literally couldn't take your eyes off of her. She just owned every second that she was on screen. Um, other than that, I really loved Among the Lotus Eaters, which was um, Kirk. I'm uh, sorry. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, it no. Was, uh, <laughs> Pike going back to Rigel 7. And I thought that was a really, really well done episode. I loved the location work. I loved the the way that the episode played out. I loved the um, attack on memory, and the and again, you're exploring um, a concept. And this is, you know, not only um, the crew who are trying to get their memories back, but the people on the planet who are like, I don't really care. I don't want my memories back. There are things that maybe I don't want to remember, and I'm okay with that. And I thought it was a fascinating episode. Other than that, that, that was pretty cool. That was the, yeah. probably the most uh, action-heavy uh, Pike episode we got, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And another one, as Keith said, Under the Cloak of War, 
And the reason for that is because I didn't really care anything about Dr. Mbenga the first season. Not that I disliked him. I just didn't find um, his, his, his plot line in that season was basically him caring for his sick daughter. And I didn't think that was resolved very well and very strongly. So I didn't think that it really gave him a lot of, you know, gravitas. It didn't give him a lot to work with. However, in this season, when we find that he is a trained fighter who contributed to the Klingon war on the front lines and he and Chapel were basically war medics, that completely changed my view of Mbenga from, you know, what I thought wasn't a strong foundation in the first episode they completely reinvented him this season to what I find to be an incredibly compelling character. And I, he's like risen up to like one of my favorites. So well done strange new worlds for kind of revamping a character and giving them a lot more weight. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree there um, um, as well. I can disagree to a point because okay. um, I, 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 uh, I, I liked him the first season. Yeah, uh, but okay. yes, he, he was, was kind of bogged down with the uh, daughter storyline, and that was pretty much defined him. Yeah. Um, and in this one, we do get to find out more about him and, and Chapel, and and I really do like Under the Cloak of War as an episode overall. I I really don't like the ending. Uh, to me, the ending uh, yeah. kind of you know how I was saying with Ad Astra, like it it it's perfectly like Star Trek because it. It it uh, reinforces the idea of hope, whereas uh, yeah. Under the Cloak of War does not. It does the exact opposite. And I found myself not liking Mabenga nor Chapel at the end of that episode. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, yeah. this this season, I went into first season. I think we all talked about it, but uh, I went in the first season not liking the whole Spock sex, Spock thing. Story. Like, it was just too much Spock and Spock sex stuff, right? Um, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't care for that whatsoever. Like, every time, and it was a lot of it. And this season, they dialed back on that. There was a few episodes that they of course dealt with it, but, but um, obviously a big story arc this season is Spock and Chapel. Yeah. Yes. Um, I found, and I, I didn't have, I liked Chapel okay the first season. She didn't, I thought mm -hmm. she was underserved because I thought she was being defined by her relationship with Spock. And I didn't really think that was, uh, I thought she was better than that. So I was kind of hoping for more this season. And for a while there, um, it seemed like um, it was still being defined by her relationship with Spock. Under the Cloak of War kind of gave her some more gravitas. And yet, I found I didn't like the decisions that she made at the end of that episode. And then she goes right around, I think shortly after that and dump Spock. And uh, I just was like, I just found myself at, by the end of the season, not liking chapel at all. And mm. so mm. as a character, I just uh, didn't care for some of the decisions that she's made. And if she never comes back, I'm, I'm okay with that. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh no, we have to. Alan, we want to hear from you. Go, go, go. Well, I, I like the fact that they are moving closer to. I mean, I think that, um, you know, she's going to be gone for a little bit, but I think it'll happen between seasons. Like maybe she'll come back in a, like, 
you know, like a second episode of a season or something, because they're moving her toward that work that she does with Roger Corbett. Right. Because we've taken steps to her getting an internship with Vulcan, and that didn't go through. And then the the thing with Corbett um, presents itself. And we know that from, you know, the original series, we know that that's where she's headed. So I think that we're going to get to a point where she might be absent, at least for a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think that making poor decisions is human i mean that's people people do that and especially when you're talking about um under the cloak of war this is a situation i mean you don't know i mean and i certainly don't know life on the front line and how that makes how that shapes you and how that makes you maybe make choices that somebody else wouldn't make but you know what's funny is that on our show we were just talking last week one of the episodes that we talked about in our crossovers episode was Blood Oath from season one of DS9. And at the end of that episode, most of the main characters did not approve or like the decisions that Jadzia made, mm-hmm. right. you know, and it's, that's just, that's just being human. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't dislike her because of those. I think it's just another aspect of her character. Well, exactly. And they hinted at it in the very first episode when, you know, Mabinka and Chapel were on that other spaceship and they had to take out the rebels. And, you know, it's a perfect add on to that storyline because it shows, you know, you know, where did where did he, you know, juice up the first time? You know, the whole thing with that, because they they took out almost that whole spaceship of, you know, people and everything. He had that secret stash of Hulk serum. Exactly. For both <laughs> exactly, of them. Yeah. And you're like, well, where did that come from? I know. Half the season later, you find out. And I loved that. I loved planting that seed at the beginning of the season and then having that payoff toward the end of the season. Well, and it's interesting, though, because like with this season, it almost felt like they split off the timeline on in this season. The whole thing. Uh, when, you know, when Singh and Kirk went into the past yeah. and they changed the, pushed everything up 50 years, they, yeah. you know, they pushed the, the interference from the Romulans in the past. That almost felt like it was like, we can't count on, you know, things we know now from the original series might not come to pass and such because of the split right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't worry about that so much. But right. that's a reference right. to the my least favorite episode of the season. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and and look, I'll only just respond, uh, Alan, to like, I don't. If she's human, that's fine. But just because she makes bad decisions doesn't mean I have to like them, and I don't mean I have to. No. I don't have to like her. So I'm not saying you have to like her. <laughs> so if she doesn't want to come back, like, and I know she comes back eventually on the original series. So that's fine. Like I'm, I know that that's a chapel that I, you know, that I like. So, uh, but this one, I just don't, uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, one quick thing. Yes. Uh, one, one real, real quick thing. I can see what both you guys are saying. Cause I know what you're saying. Absolutely. What Mbinga did, what chapel did. Gene Roddenberry would not have approved. Absolutely. He also would not have approved what Benjamin Disco Cisco did in Deep Space Nine under beneath the pale moonlight. Oh, dude, there's oh. a lot of things yes. that he would not have approved <laughs> sure, of with sure. Cisco. Exactly. Absolutely. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have approved Jonathan Archer's piracy and Enterprise. But at the same time, I'm kind of okay with that because they're showing that these people are human 
and they got to work through getting to being the better people they become later on. And as one real quick note, I was reading um, an interview with the showrunners yesterday, and they said that Mabinga's actions will absolutely be coming back in the future. Yeah. Because oh, a lot yeah, of people yeah. said, you can't just let him get away with that. And Pike's kind of like, hey, what happened? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. They're like, no, that's going to come back on him. So I don't know if he's going to quote unquote, get away with it, whatever I don't, that was. Exactly. And this is a this is a hybrid show. It's it's basically episodic. But in the old days, episodic meant that you didn't have storylines that carried over from right. one episode to another. Yeah. So we our 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 plot our episode plots are standalone, but our character arcs are not. Right. And and mm-hmm. so we're seeing all of that stuff play out across lots of episodes, and definitely we will see ramifications for that. But I, you know, I also really like episodes that end sort of ambiguously. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just so, like life sometimes, it, it, right? So yeah. I didn't I yeah. didn't mind that so much. I do want to just super quick. I just want to mention my other favorite episode of the season because we haven't mm-hmm. really talked about it yet, and that is the Lower Decks crossover because those old of Lower Decks. That was so and, awesome! Oh my God, I, and that was the one that I was waiting for more than anything else this season. I was nice. super excited about it, and I and I loved it. So that's that's all. I just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, no, I, I thought was that a, was uh, that was fun. I haven't seen. I've never watched Lower Decks, so it was completely like they they new to me, like uh, the characters and everything. But I didn't. Again, it was an excuse to do it. They didn't really, you know, the the uh, portal or whatever just seemed like it just was there, an excuse to do a crossover. <laughs> oh, but yeah. but you know what? It was it was it was fine. It was. I don't you know I don't have a problem with that one as much. It was it was interesting because I felt like on the episode. I felt like they mellowed the two Mariner yeah. and, you know, and Balmer. I thought they mellowed them out compared to the, the cartoon. And oh yeah, definitely. So they're was, less was, animated <laughs> and everything. And I loved, you know, Balmer's, you know, reaction with everybody. It was, was wonderful to see. And, you know, it's like, Oh my God, this is so antique. And it's, you know, it's like, excuse us, you know, and it, it, was just, <laughs> it was just so much fun. And it's like, that was good. Mr. Spock is showing emotion. Oh my God. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and it's directed it. by Jonathan Frakes, who we all know has a great mm-hmm. sense of humor. And I think yes. it's a perfect matchup to have him direct that episode. And I want to give uh, the producers a lot of credit to the production staff is because this old scientist and subspace Rhapsody both have, I mean, they go, they go full in the, the, yeah. the intros to the show, the, yeah. the, the, the credits and everything are all different and they yeah. match the tone of the episode and everything yeah. like that. And I thought, I thought that's kind of nice when they, when they go out of their way to, to, to do that. So, uh, so I can't, I can't say they were half-assing it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> they, they go, they're like, we're all in. Uh, so, uh, Keith, anything about the the Spock? Because uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if we want to. If you want to talk about another story or character arc, mm-hmm. that's fine. Or any thoughts on on the Spark on the Spark Chapel arc this season? I don't like the arc. Period. Um, and it's not because I don't think Spock can explore a little bit of his emotions. Uh, I do think they're going a little far afield with Spock having emotions. And look, I know the original series like the back of my hand. I know Spock had that big grin when the plants 
the leaves were singing in that original episode. I know in Mud's Women, when he introduced the women to Kirk, and Kirk didn't know that there was these gorgeous women on ships, Spock had this huge smile on his face. I get it. But one of the things that the New Trek people do that kind of sort of irritates me is they take these little grains of things from the original series. And I've said this before on our show, they drive a hole through, they drive a truck through the little bitty holes that the plot from the original series kind of sort of left. So I would have been okay if Spock had emotions for Chapel, if he had feelings for her. I think the whole she grabbed him and, you know, they end up having sex and stuff like that right after he broke up with Tapring. I just thought it was a little a bridge too far. I personally feel that the new track people lack subtlety in their writing too much for my taste. So I think if they had toned down Spock's feelings for Chapel, like the silly thing where he said, only I can basically take a jetpack over to the ship and plant rockets on the ship. And there was nothing he did that required a Vulcan. Um, so I just didn't care. You don't know how heavy I, those things were. I know, right? <laughs> in space. In space, not, not very. Yeah. So I think that had they toned down the feelings that he had for Chapel, I would have liked it better. I think they had just done the, you know, the looks and the feelings and the awkward silences. I would have liked it better. I think they went just a little far with Spock's emotions. And that's an absolutely personal and subjective feeling. I have always felt less is more. And I've always felt that the new track people believe more is more. And that's just not my my personal aesthetic. I, I think for the most part, you're right. I do think, though, that they're going they're They might be using uh, Chapel's actions here to for the next season to have Spock double down and go completely yes. like yes. Uh, the Spock that we know. Just I 100 percent agree with that. So mm-hmm. um, um, so we'll see. We'll see if that mm-hmm. happens, but I get the feeling that that's where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, uh, Peck is a is a decent actor, and he's done. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of him as, as Spock, but he's done okay. Uh, and uh, you know, I I don't think. Well, we'll just have to see. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna project on something that I haven't seen yet. So <laughs> when we've got so much to talk about, more that we have seen. Um, okay. Uh, this has been mentioned a couple times, so I do have to, I do have to mention this as well because we talked about, uh, uh, Singh and, and, and Leanne's, uh, you know, uh, that whole lineage there, which I said in the first yeah. season, I didn't agree with her and didn't agree with making her, uh, part of that clan. Um, and they, they, they tripled down on it with tomorrow and tomorrow, tomorrow by going, Hey guys, you know, it would be cool. Let's have the descendant of Singh have sex with Kirk. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, isn't that fun? (laughs) Let's have like Kirk's biggest enemy, like his descendant, like have him have a love story with her. Like the only way it could have been cheesier. So much fanfic. The only way it could have been cheesier is if if in subspace Rhapsody, when, when Leanne is looking at Kirk, if she had say, if she had sang the lines like, he tasks me and I shall have him. Like that would be the (laughs) only thing that would have been cheesier than what they did. Like, (laughs) so, um, so, but I, I do agree. Like, I think that, you know, Uhura got a lot of time this season, a lot of time and, and, and she's great. But I feel mm-hmm. like at the expense of, uh, you know, other characters, like I do feel yeah. like outside of the uh, I do feel like the captain didn't get much to do. Um, and 
I like Anson Mount a lot. He's the highest paid guy on the cast. Can we get him some stuff to do, please? Well, you know he was on paternity leave. Yeah. Just for the first episode. No, for the first couple of episodes. Well, he's in episode the second four episode. is where he really kind of. Okay, like, so we're talking about eight episodes. We ha- he I, still I, has nothing to do, like really, or seven mm, really. Okay. Um. So I, I really feel like you know he should like. I wish that he was more of an active captain, like we're used to seeing. Maybe not completely. And uh, number one, Rebecca Romaine. I feel like she was underused, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, any any other thoughts on on character arcs, Alan? From you, like um, either ones that you love seeing or ones that you wish you'd seen more of this season. Well, not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily an arc, but we have not mentioned the name Carol Kane yet. I was about and to. That was holy, on my list. She was oh amazing. I love her amazing. so much. And I, and I hope that I was afraid that her coming in was like stunt casting and it was a stopgap measure until they work McCoy, uh, um, Scotty, Scotty into the, into the cast. And now he's there. So now I'm afraid. And I always was all along that she was going to be like a one season character. And I hope that's not the case. I would like her to continue on as, um, the chief engineer next season with him as her lieutenant, basically. And to see the two of them work together and to, you know, and eventually she's going to go back to the academy to teach. And that's fine. But let's let's maybe make her a two-season character. Oh, very much so. I agree with that completely. I thought she was such a rich character. And she has such a history. And I loved how they were able to go in the past. They were able to find her. And, yeah. you know, such. But her character is so, so all-knowing, almost like a Yoda type character type thing, but she, and I loved how, you know, she almost, she was teaching everyone on board almost at the Academy. You know, when you were in my class, if you pulled this kind of, you know, I, I would have given you an A, you know, instead of a D, you know? So I just loved this stuff like that. And I agree with Alan completely. I could definitely see her staying on another season, almost mentoring Mr. Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. And, I, and the I, other... I would like to see that as well. And I really liked the introduction, by the way. I really liked, I mean, I know I've said that I don't really care for like the emphasis on, on original series ca- uh, characters, but I did feel like the introduction and the portrayal of Montgomery Scott by Martin Quinn yeah. was on point. Like I yeah, thought it he was, was, he was nailed fantastic. It. Yes. And I, I'm fantastic. like, I want to see more of him. It was really well written and he played it beautifully. So I was, I think, I was, I'm excited I was worried to see about more of him. Actually, Mr. Scott with the end of last season when they, you know, just did the voice in a really <laughs> bad Scottish accent yeah. or anything. But no, I agree. I thought the actor they brought in this season, um, the way they brought him in, even him, you know, being creative, being, you know, to how to block the, you know, the Gorn and everything. I loved all that. That was really, that was Scotty right on and everything held you know being it younger and everything but i thought you know i want to see more of this character i want to see how he's going to grow into the scotty we know now i think quinn is the like only actor that's played scotty that's actually scottish so that right that is that's really amazing actually so <laughs> that's a that's a step forward for representation exactly absolutely <laughs> and and for your question about what i would like to see i want i need more ortegas 
and I'm ready for an Ortega's focused episode. And I want to know more about her background and I want to know, I want to see some development. There you go. Alan, she flies the ship. I mean, what else do you need? She to does know? fly the ship. <laughs> exactly. But, but maybe know, she flies I... the ship and she likes yogurt. I would just like to know a little bit more. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I mean, we as Doctor Who fans know that, uh, not, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other actors, but, um, uh, she's really, uh, cause I was thinking that Christina Chong was in that. Uh, Melissa's really good. And, and yes, I wanted, I, I'm like, every time they're showing someone like Kirk, I'm like, why can't we find out more about Ortegas, please? So, so yes, I, I agree. Uh, Keith, what about you? What's something that you want to see from the next season? Um, next season, what I would like to see is Kirk disappear completely. Yes. Um, I, I completely right. agree with you. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm going to do this thing that's going to make people groan. But, and I'm not a slave to canon history, even though it sounds like it. But in the original series, Kirk said, I met Pike once when he was promoted to fleet captain. Then they get around it by that tricky thing where he was a temporary fleet captain. That's not what the original series meant. Pike was permanently promoted to a real fleet captain, gave up the Enterprise, and then Kirk took over. I honestly felt this entire show should never have shown Kirk until like the last episode of the last half of the last season and just have him come in slowly. So I don't want to see any more Kirk. I think it's stunt casting, and I think you need to trust your audience that you can build, as you said, new characters and tell me new stories. Let me learn to love other characters other than Kirk. So I want to see less Kirk. And on the absolute flip side, I want to see not only more Pike, but stronger Pike. There is a huge discussion online about how Pike came off looking like a wimp at the very end of the season finale. I contend that is fulfillment of what they already did to him. I really disliked the episode that introduced Kirk, where they, they claimed that had Pike encountered the Romulans, we would have gone to war. To yep. me, it made Pike look weak. It just yep. made Pike look weak. And I never liked the way they treated him. Yep. And I love under Cloak of War, but I did not like the way Pike let his officers act around the Klingon general. I mean, they just got up and walked out of his room. Yeah, Kirk, I, Cisco, I agree with Janeway, that. Picard, they would have slapped them down, you know? Yeah. So. I want to see no Kirk and I want to see Pike be a little stronger and more of a, of the man I know he is. He leads with his heart, but when you're a starship captain, you got to be a little stronger. I want a little bit more of that from Pike. But I think the reason people say that is because we saw that in discovery season two and we're not seeing as much of that. We're not seeing Uh, as much of that on his own show. That's Mm. a very good point. And I completely forgot about that. He was a much stronger character. Yes. Oh, um, he owned so. season two of Disco. Oh, yeah, he's, that's very good. He I is literally what made me, you know, fall in love with Discovery. You know, yeah, you know, because it became a better show with him on it. Well, it became a Star Trek show. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. you were so right. Yeah, I forgot about that, Mike and Alan. I forgot about that. Right, this season two portrayal was amazing. Yeah, Mike, do you, is there anything you want to see from uh, season three? Season three, I want them to get. Because it's going to be a while. Oh, I know. Yes, it is. Thank you, Strike. You know, so it's going to be. We probably won't see at the till the earliest, early twenty twenty five. Yep. Or a new season. And everything, but well, they can't. They can't do anything with the strike going on in there. Yeah, that's true. Two years. I want to see them get out of away from the Gorn. I want, like Mike has said, I want to see them exploring new frontiers Amen. going you know Amen. i don't want to see the klingons i don't want to see the romulans i want them just to explore 
and maybe every once in a while, you know, bring back someone they've met with or something, you know, that's yeah. fine or something. But no, I want them to discover. I would love to see Rain Wilson back as Harry Mudd. I think that would be amazing. And how we I want to see Laurel back. Yeah. There's a lot. There's some characters mm. back, you know, yeah. from the, you know, from Discovery that I would yep. love to see, you know. And, we're, you know, I would love to see something, you know, maybe Section 31, something with that even, you know, possibly. Yeah. So there's tons of stories to be told. And they don't yeah. need to deal with the Gorn. They don't need to the war with the Gorn and blah, blah, blah. Because in that episode of the original series, you know, that was supposed to be the first time they ran into the Gorn. In Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, already been busted. Yeah. But I don't, I, like I said, I'm not, as, I'm not you know, oh, like I'm not crying over spilled that. milk you there. Can't do that. Uh, <laughs> I've heard, I've heard pan people say, what about something like a Trelane or a Q or something? Yeah. No, I think I, I don't want to see. Though. I don't want to Star Trek repeat itself. I want to no, watch right. this show because no. I want to see new things. It's, it's right. called Strange New Worlds. Let's experience new things. I mean, right. you know, you've shown you can do new gimmicks. Uh, so <laughs> right. I want to see like and and last and last season they had a couple. They had two or three really strong episodes that really made you think and challenged challenge things challenge ways of thinking that uh that the original series and its best and star trek at its best would do you know so i i want to see that um you've seen apart from the it, enterprise do more than it's ever done before on screen and everything go into the atmosphere or you know stuff like that and just you know some of the flight stuff has been amazingly beautiful absolutely yeah absolutely uh, the only other thing I'll, I'll end this, I'll end our segment here by the only other thing that, uh, I want to see is I want to see, uh, Sam Kirk not just portrayed as a joke. Like, I really want to see uh, yeah. him be developed, uh, as a character, as a breathing character that actually, like, we'll care about when he <clears throat> sometime dies. <laughs> um, uh, because, uh, you know, I mean, he's Kirk's brother, but he's more than that. I want to see, I'd rather see, I'd rather see Sam Kirk than, than James Kirk on this show. Um, step up. Let's put it that way. So. Yeah. Well, Mike, interesting point. When you talk about Kirk, uh, um, Sam Kirk is the older brother. Yep. And also, lest we forget, the Kirk brothers survived the massacre of Kodos, the executioner. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. I'm not seeing yeah. the kind of, and he's a, he's a brilliant, supposedly a brilliant research scientist, or he will become one. See, I'm not, I'm kind of not seeing that. And they can just kind of keep, you know, making They use him as a joke more than anything else. Yeah. I think, it's, I think that, it's the porn stash, but, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> I think they might have to do something a little bit with that, but. <laughs> I just want to see more development for the porn stash. I mean, I mean. Come on, uh, let's have it. You know, uh, he kind of looks like more like, um, oh, shoot, what's that? Oh, man, what's the, what's the, the, the show, the soccer guy? What's Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. They, yes. Yeah. I don't want to see Ted Lasso in space. I want to see Sam like... Kurt believe in believe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just remember, be a goldfish. Right on. Right on. <laughs> happiest. Happiest thing in the planet. Super, super fast. I just want to say the thing that I'm looking forward to most in season three is the same thing that I was looking forward to most in season two, and I didn't get it. And that is a return of Angel and Cybok. I am super, super excited to know what it is that they've got in mind for Cybok being reintroduced into the care into the series. I'm oh. so anxious for that. Yeah. Plus, Jesse James Keitel was 
you know, on the level of Yatita Badaki as far as guest stars who own the the screen go. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I that that sounds intriguing to me. So I'll I'll yes, please. I'll dial in. <laughs> right on. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for Thank all the you. great work that you're doing on Earth Station Trek. And it's great to have you here to talk all about Strange New Worlds. And unfortunately, that's probably going to be it for Star Trek for a while for us. Uh, but uh, we we certainly look forward to season three and beyond. Take a quick break. And after that, we're going to close out the show. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I think we can officially declare, for better or for worse, the summer movie season is over and what a wild time it was. Um, There are some things to look forward to coming out in September, but before we talk about what's coming out, I have to talk about what's not coming out. And the thing that I feared was true in Dune Part 2 was pushed back to 2024. Once movies started getting postponed due to the writing strike, I kind of started preparing myself and just sort of like getting myself used to the fact like just like COVID, some movies that I'm looking forward to could get pushed forward. And I'm really disappointed about this one in particular. I've been looking forward to it since Doom Part 1 came out and all this year I've been hyping it up. I even have a date reserved on my calendar, go see Dune. And it's really just frustrating with studios being more concerned about profits than people. And that's a whole nother discussion for another time. But I'm just frustrated that those of us who love film and love content, studios are basically being greedy about that. But it is what it is. I will look forward to seeing Dune next year and in the meantime we do have some interesting movies coming out a lot more sequels which I feel like maybe audiences are not necessarily as excited about those as they used to be seeing how some other things have done this summer but we have the equalizer three my big fat greek wedding three some horror movies coming out um I am looking forward to a haunting in Venice, um, Hercule Perrault. I think I said that right. This might be the first time I have said it right on the podcast, but I love those other Hercule Perrault movies. Glad that they're still making those. So yeah, so there's a lot to look forward to in fall, especially with streaming content as well. So there will be plenty to keep us occupied. Just I'll have to wait just a little bit longer for Dune than I wanted to. That's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out 
I blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Ask yourself, is the Flopcast the right podcast for you? Do you have trouble picking a favorite Weird Al song, Karate Kid sequel, or Justice League Detroit member? Are you obsessed with Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch, Vicky the Captain's daughter from the Love Boat, or Vicky the Robot from Small Wonder? Do you think Cindy Lauper's We Are the World solo is the most important event in history? Do you have half an hour a week for something completely stupid? Then the Flopcast might be the right podcast for you. We're on the ESO Network and at flopcast.net. Hey everybody, Michelle here with an iconic Rock Talk Show moment. If you are a Prince fan, you have got to be excited because on October 25th, the doors of that Prince vault are swinging open wide and presenting to the world uh, a new super deluxe edition of the Diamonds and Pearls album from 1991. His first one with New Power Generation. This new edition... Um, and there's a bunch of permutations of this that we'll talk about in a second, but the super deluxe version has 33 unreleased, never before heard tracks, three hours worth of audio there, 14 live tracks. There's two hours plus of video, including some, uh, live footage, uh, presented in 2k video with Dolby Atmos sound. Uh, and restored videos from the Diamonds and Pearls album. There's a 120-page hardback book. Um, This is going to be on 12 albums or 7 CDs with Blu-ray video. Uh, The deluxe version, I believe, is the same but does not have the video. And then you go down the the line to the uh, album and CD pressings uh, without books and videos and unreleased stuff. Those are coming on clear or milky white vinyl. Um, Best thing to do is go to the print site and click on the shop. And, uh, of course, they've got Diamonds and Pearls showcased there. So you can look at all the things that you'd be getting and pick the thing you want. The singles box uh, is already sold out. So you might want to move on this as, as soon as you can and have that charge card uh, fired up and ready for this. But this is uh, definitely a a huge bonanza for the Prince fans out there. Um, Just in time for the holiday season, too. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show moment, and we will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Welcome to Geek Girls Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Casper makeup collection that is out now. So spooky season is upon us, and one thing I wasn't expecting to see is a Casper the Friendly Ghost makeup collab from Profusion Cosmetics. It is available only at Walgreens and possibly the Profusion website at some point, but generally when they do collabs, they release them in stores and then later release it on their webpage. But it's super cute and definitely not the collab I was expecting to see from any makeup brand. Profusion is a drugstore makeup company, but has a really, really nice quality makeup. The Casper collab has an eyeshadow palette, a really pretty highlighter, and two makeup setting sprays that have little bits of glitter in them. 
They also have a makeup bag, a brush set, makeup sponges shaped like little ghosts with Casper's face on them, and a mirror. All the packaging glows in the dark, as does the makeup bag and the hand mirror, which has Casper's face on it. It's all such a really well-thought-out collaboration and is incredibly cute for someone who loves makeup or is a fan of Casper. All the items are very affordable, most being under $12. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you'll have to listen to find out. that's it for tonight for earth station one thank you everybody for joining us it's been fun to have some trek talk alan thank you so much as always to joining us my friend thank you so much for inviting me it's always a pleasure anything you want to shout out about or promote well i have another podcast on uh and it's called modern musicology it is also on the eso network and we have a couple of really great episodes that have one just came out. It is the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Great episode. And our, to today. our next episode is also a 50th anniversary uh, celebration of rap and hip hop. Oh, and it's crazy to me to think of things as disparate as Dark Side of the Moon and hip hop originating at essentially the same time that's just amazing to me and we had a great time exploring both of those topics and everybody should check them out oh that is awesome that is awesome keith thank you my friend thank you enjoyed it i'm uh, sorry i didn't have much to say <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> wow you gotta, we gotta one of these days we gotta really have you break out of your shell and be more like tell us how you feel yeah, <laughs> you, you guys really got to do more to draw him out. I tell you, <laughs> two things I'll say real quick is uh, we've been talking about. We have Matt and Elaine Sletman, who are I really call friends of the show for Earth Station Trek, who've been doing all kinds of Star Trek rewatches. And over on Earth Station Trek, uh, Charles and um, Veronica and Alan and I just discussed the animated series. And so I would tell people, please, 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 if you think the animated series is a joke, if the animation is too horrible for you, and it is crazy, you will watch an episode and Kirk and Sulu will literally interchange bodies. There's an episode where Mr. Powell has a mustache one scene and he does it the next. Don't let that stop you. The animated series is Star Trek. And it's, it really is really good Star Trek. So, Mike, you mentioned earlier with the strike coming, we're going to have a lot of time to watch a lot of stuff. There you Do go. yourself a favor and watch the animated series. It is really good Star Trek. Oh, we, did, we did an episode about it but about six months ago, and it yeah. was so much fun to rewatch. And it is. So, please, folks, if you do get a chance, watch it. It is really worth it. No, right now, Judy and I are um, rewatching Next Gen from from the beginning, and because she doesn't remember any of it, so wow. it's a ton of fun wow. seeing her reaction to it. And she because like we just made it through the first season, and she's just like, "Does it get better than this?" Oh, I said, "Oh, you barely scratched the surface." Then, so you reintroduced her to the Ferengi with the laser whips and the fur. Oh God, yes. <laughs> We just talked about them. <laughs> she was really upset when Tasha passed was killed. She said they killed oh, her, you know. Yeah. She, she wasn't a fan of the character or anything, but she mm -hmm. says because she says I don't remember seeing her in any of the movies. I said just keep <laughs> watching, just keep watching. So yeah, yeah. 
It was interesting for sure. So definitely we're going to have a lot of time on it. Mm -hmm. There's a few different older series that, you know, we're starting and, you know, we're going to have a lot of time folks. I don't think this is the strikes are going to end anytime soon from what I'm hearing. So folks, you know, buckle down. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, yes. I mean, as we've talked about here, and as I've mentioned many times on this show, uh, Star Trek means a lot to me. Um, I can't, I don't have the memory anymore to be able to tell you what my first episode of Star Trek that I ever watched was, or, you know, as things of that nature. But I can tell you, I think without a shadow of a doubt that I don't think there's, there's any, TV series, maybe even pop culture, movie, album, whatever, that has affected me as much as Star Trek has. And I am so excited to be part of Jim Beard's new book of essays about growing up with Star Trek, the original series. It's called Galloping Around the Cosmos, Memories of TV's Wagon Train to the Stars from Today's Grown-Up Kids. And it is a long title, but uh, it is uh, full of essays about a bunch of us who grew up uh, around the original series, whether we saw it um, uh, as it aired or in syndication, no matter when we were first introduced to it. Uh, the groundbreaking series from 1966 to 69. There's so many great other talents that are part of this book. I cannot believe that my name is going to be alongside Greg Cox, Keith Candido, uh, John Drew, uh, the award-winning Bobby Nash, uh, Van Allen Plexico, Alan Porter, more, more, more. Uh, I'm just uh, so excited that Jim Beard, uh, who's editing the book, has uh, invited me to, to tag along as well. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's supposed to be out. Um, in the fall, I don't have an exact date yet, but he did release the uh, cover art as well as some more promotional stuff on it, which you can see either if you go to uh, Becky Books uh, or you can go to my um, social media. You can see the cover and all that kind of stuff there. And of course, once it's released, I will let everybody know as well. That is awesome, sir. Nice. Very, very cool. You well deserved, of course. All right. Uh, my shout out real quick. want to talk about somebody who just passed away who meant a lot to me growing up all the way from being a little kid all the way through college and you know being unemployed after school after college and everything and in the mornings what was i watching at 11 a.m every day price is right my price is right that's right and we just had the passing of bar barker at the age of 99 you couldn't pass a, a dollar, folks, you know, with the wheel, you cannot pass a dollar. <laughs> so 100 was just that far away, but he made it. The man was a legend in game show hosts, and he was also a big, big proponent of animal rights and also, you know, helping pe- people, you know, find homes for, you know, pets at the, you know, who were at the pound and you know, trying to foster pets and everything, you know, he ended each show, you know, you know, remember folks spay and neuter your pets, you know, and everything. And he, you know, even got into a fight with, uh, on screen with, you know, happy Gilmore. It was pretty awesome. So <laughs> he could hold his own. Oh, he definitely, yeah. he took him out. So it was pretty awesome. So, you know, it's awesome to see he had a great sense of humor. He, he was having fun with doing the show and everything. I got to meet him once when I got to be in the audience of Price is Right when we were in California back in the early 90s. 
And, you know, it was one of those things he came out after the show to talk to the audience and everything. And he answered one of my questions and everything. It was, it was pretty cool, you know, and just a super, super nice guy. And, you know, from, I've never heard a bad thing about him. And you know what? Well, he'll be missed. He was, like I said, part of growing up. You could find him all over YouTube. You could probably even find him on Pluto TV and the game show network and everything. So please, definitely, Bob Barker, thank you for, you know, playing P Plinko with all of us and, you know, the showcase showdown. It was a good thing. All right, folks, that is going to wrap up the episode for tonight. Thanks for listening, as always. You know, always remember, we couldn't do this without you. Please, please, if you want to leave uh, feedback, please write us feedback at ourstation1.com. It's the best way to get in touch with us. And, you know, we'd love hearing from you guys. You know, we hear from folks weekly. We hear from, you know, just, you know, people who, you know, suggestions for the show, people talking about the new format, um, us coming out just once a week again and such. And, you know, when they write us, you know, we usually write back and, you know, saying, you know, thank you for this, or we take the criticism or the comments to heart because it's part of what we do on the show here. You know, if you want to help, you know, support the show though, of course, go to our T public store. We have some really cool stuff, including earth station Trek stuff. So we have your logo up there. We have, you know, some other stuff, you know, it's, we have a t-shirt it's life gym, but not as we know it, you know, it's like, so it's pretty cool. It's, you know, it's some great, great stuff up there that's, you know, there's always more stuff coming. You know, I'm in the process of designing like three different new t-shirts for it. So, you know, definitely check it out. You can find us up on T Public. Just search for Earth Station One, ESO Network, or go to the Earth Station One page and go to the top of it. And there's a link right there for T Public. Also, if you want to help support the network, of course, go to the ESO Network Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you could help support the ESO Network and get, you know, kind of ESO network swag. You can get the shows early, you know, different things. And we got some new stuff on the wings coming. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found. And now Earth Station One is up on YouTube. But you know what? We're just not up on YouTube anymore. We're now on Pandora. We're also up on XM Radio. So you can also find us up there. So definitely, you know, you could put us into one of your playlists. It's pretty darn awesome with that kind of stuff. And you know what? You could also find our station who and the dragon con report up there on those wonderful, fine ways to listen. So, you know what? We're trying to get out everywhere, you know, so tell your friends, tell your neighbors. We're not too, you know, bashful here on the show. We will tell you to beg and plead to, you know, listen and leave feedback folks. It's always a great way. All right. That's it for tonight. Please, you know, hug your loved ones. Have a great Labor Day weekend here in the United States. Oh, um, Dragon Con. Um, Earth Station One actually has a panel for um, a virtual panel. And also Mike Gordon is going to be on a real panel at Dragon Con. We are on Saturday, if I remember, at 1130 um, a.m. Isn't that when you guys are doing the Super Friends? I think so. Yes. Um, in the... It's the, um, what's it, the American Classic Sci-Fi Track is doing the 50th anniversary of the Super Friends. So <laughs> definitely check that out. And so that way, you know, sadly enough, I'm not going to be able there to go, meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. So, <laughs> and so it'll be a ton of fun. And then also Earth Station One is doing a virtual panel Sunday at 1130. 
And we're doing that through the Brit tracks. And we are doing the music of James Bond. That's right, folks. We're talking all about the theme music from the the movies and everything. You know, what was the best? What was the worst? And, you know, everything in between. So, and how it tied into the movies and everything. And we didn't even have enough time to even scratch the surface with that. But it's definitely fun. And you could find that up on, I think we're going to be, is it through DragonCon TV or is it through the, I know it's, we're going to be up on YouTube through the Brit Tracks channel and such. I think that's, that's where it is. Yeah. Yep. So definitely check that out. And I know Earth Station Who is also going to have a Doctor Who spinoff uh, show also at Saturday at 1130 up also up on YouTube. So you can watch it after you watch the Super Friends panel. So definitely check that out on behalf of myself, Mike favorite, Alan Seiler, of course, Keith Johnson and the one and only Mr. Mike Gordon. Thank you guys for listening and, you know, watching us off on YouTube. We will see you here next time. Peace. And we are done. Bye. Live long and prosper. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.